for inviting me i love coming back to our tavern i know you what are we drinking tonight we well we decided to go a little fancy so we you found a recipe for a uh, very new york-esque moscow mule and uh we each made it at home so cheers cheers see how each of us did Mmm. That's good. Mm, that's tasty. It is. It's an apple cider mule. So I did um, apple cider fresh picked this morning uh, from Shoots Farm and a little bit of uh, Russian standard as uh, my vodka, fresh limes, and then the only ginger beer that I believe should ever go in a Moscow Mule, and that is uh, Reed's All Natural Extra Gingery. Uh, that's a really good one. I did uh, Wegman's Cider, um, then Tito's Vodka, that came with a cute little sweater, and yeah. Saranac Ginger Beer, the only ginger beer you can find at Wegman's. <laughs> so, that was really my options. I will say there was a random when I got this ginger beer, there was a uh, random labeled new ginger beer uh, on the shelf called just purely Q. Hmm. And uh, I knew nothing about it and wasn't about to chance it on this. It came in very nice purple packaging. But uh, so so uh, what was it called again? Q. Uh, Just Q. Oh man, there there is a whole rabbit hole I could go down on that one. Yep, we're gonna, um, we're gonna let that one go. Yeah, we're gonna let that one pass. Uh, when it comes to ginger beer, though, uh, my favorite is actually um, during the Christmas season. Trader Joe's does a triple ginger beer, and they do not release it in regular bottles. It's like the wine bottles your Italian grandfather would use that have the cork that's literally attached to the bottle. Yeah. And like once you pop it, you got to drink the whole thing. It's super spicy. <laughs> and my grandfather has actually taken it after every year to then put wine into said bottle. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. That's perfect. I'm going to have to get on that this year. Yeah. Head over to Trader Joe's. Stand in line. I've been to Barnes and Nobles a couple times now and just seen the people standing in line outside of Trader Joe's and going, it's good, but it is not that good. Oh, I don't have the patience for that. I don't have the patience to stand in a line when it's something important. Yeah, no. Dear um, God. So, it is today, November 1st. The United States election is two days away. Talking about standing in lines? Yeah, I've, I've already voted. I stood in line for an hour on Monday to vote. 
And then I took off the election because I actually volunteered to be a poll worker and never got called for that uh, because they had too many registered Democrats volunteer for poll workers and not enough registered Republicans in Monroe County. So I have the day off to stress eat, and I'm probably going to go to Pizza Stop for lunch on <laughs> uh, Tuesday. That's but healthy. That uh, brings us to our topic. We decided the Electoral College would be a fun one to take on. We think it's fitting, and we can discuss uh, politics without uh, being forced to talk too much about current politics, but we probably will, because yeah. that's how this goes. But uh, the Electoral College, this is going to be a big thing in two days. And once again, even though it's existed since the founding of our country in two days, everyone's going to, uh, well, not everyone, a good portion of people are going to be going, wait, what the fuck? I don't understand. How did he win? <laughs> why does uh, this matter? But those numbers, they don't add up. And why does Wyoming have three? But I digress. That's your well, little teaser for the episode. Well, Take so, us away, Jake. So we have covered the Electoral College before in our Constitution episode. The And I did my research again. I've got four pages of notes to, I think, your zero pages, if zero. I'm correct. Yeah. We're um, just going to follow this pattern. So it was established in Article 2, Section 1, and pretty much what it did is it established that the President of the United States isn't directly voted for. Each state gets a number of electorates equal to their number of people in the House of Representatives plus their senators. Uh, so, like, Wyoming apparently is three, which means they only have one member in the House to represent them. Um which I think is crazy that they have two senators, but they're so not populous that they only get one House member. Um, and they go vote for the president. And originally, like, governors appointed electorates, and electorates went to go vote. And sometime along the way, we kind of agreed that the electorate should go towards the popular vote, but each state gets to do it separately. One of the crazy things, I think, is that I think all but two states are winner-take-all. So if the Democrats get 51% of the vote, they get 100% of the electorates in that state. And if the Republicans get 51% of the votes, they get 100% of the uh, electorates in that state. I think that's absolutely insane yeah. because it does not really represent the state at that point. Um, there aren't that many states that are that tight, but there are states that are ridiculously tight, mainly the swing states, the like five or six states that decide every election for the past like 12 elections. No, that's too much. Like 10 elections since like 1980. Exactly. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's the system that's established. There's this thing that's called a faithless electorate now where um, if your state voted for one person, you then go vote for someone else. I believe in 2016, there were four faithless electorates. One in Hawaii voted for Bernie Sanders. One in Washington vote for a Native American person running for president. And then there were two in Texas. One voted for Rand Paul, and the other one voted for Marco Rubio, I believe. Um... But the Supreme Court apparently recently made it illegal to be a faithless electorate. You have to vote 
the way your state tells you to vote. Which, let's see if that's really manageable. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of feel like that's a good thing. I think if I voted for someone and you, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, a participation vote. And like, hey, I, I I voted for him. And you're like, yeah, cool. Fuck off. I'm voting for my buddy over here. Yeah. No, no, no. No, me and all my friends said we want them. Yeah, that I don't care. I'm voting for the cool guy with the hat. I, I'm I'm down with that. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it before, and I expressed my views that I think it, the winner take all system is ridiculous, and I think states, it's absolutely ridiculous. It it should be based off of a percentage of the state based off of how many delegates they have. So, if a state only has the, you know the minimum which is three delegates then it should be basically a third is the threshold yep you gotta take 33 percent of the vote yep and yeah um yeah so that's the electoral college um it's actually been objected by uh congress in 1969 and 2005 uh both times it uh got past the house from what i saw so i'm gonna go over it in 1969 we had the bay seller amendment um they wanted to replace the electoral college with a two round system uh based off the national popular vote what that would mean is if no one had 50 percent at the end of the first election it would go to a second election with the people who the top two people who took the most percentage of the vote um so there'd only be two people on the ballot at the end of it someone has to take greater than 50 percent. there's not a third choice Mm -hmm. um uh, it passed the house with richard nixon's support and then it ended in the senate with a filibuster which never allowed it to get voted on so our Senate stopped it. Um, I think it's crazy that Nixon supported it. Um, I don't think you would hear our current president support getting rid of the Electoral College from some of the things he said right now. Um, And then in 2005, uh, they tried to do the Every Vote Counts Amendment. Again, would change it to a direct popular vote. And then actually there was another one in 2016 called the Boxer-Cohen proposal. Again, trying to change it to the popular vote. Um, it's never passed, gotten past the House. It gets killed in the Senate if it even passes the House. Now there is something else going on. There's the National Popular Vote Bill. This is pretty much the states trying to overrule the Electoral College. So, so far, 24 states have signed on to this, but it doesn't have enough states to swing the Electoral College to the 270 count, and it won't go into effect until they have enough states sign on that they can swing the 270. And what it pretty much says is each state that has signed on to this amendment will delegate its electorates to the national popular vote winner and not their state popular vote winner. Why? pretty much a way to get the popular vote without having to get it through congress 
Okay. I have a feeling that any state that only has three electoral delegates is not signing on to this bill. No, it's bigger states. I think New York signed on to it. Maine. I want to say Virginia signed on to it. California? California, I think, has signed on to it. Yeah. Um, I think they've said if they can get Texas to sign on to it, it breaks the the threshold for the 270. Like, they either need two more medium-sized states or one more big state to sign on. Right. And pretty much the states then, which there, I feel even more disfranchised as a voter because if my state swings one way, if the right. nation swings another... Then you your state loses all... Well, you as a voter lose all representation because the values of your state... Yeah, are basically meaningless. Yeah, that's worse. That's where I liked the the two round. Yeah, like I, I, I mean, I fully support the electoral college, and I have reasons for that. We can get into later, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be completely opposed to a two round system. Yeah, um, no. it it makes a clear mandate that someone has to. I mean, I I feel it's better that someone has to get fifty percent of the vote to be president as opposed to what it usually is which is like 45 40 and then you know third party and a whole bunch of write-ins get the rest yes so i got a couple more facts and then we can get on to our two views because i'm going to support popular rank choice voting as the replacement for the electoral college and i know that would require a constitutional amendment But after some research, I actually think it would be a better system for everything. Um, So my last thing. The Electoral College has officially fully broken two times and partially broken, in my opinion, five times. So in 1824, John Quincy Adams lost both the popular vote and the Electoral College and became president. And in 1876, Rutherford B. Hayes lost the popular vote and the Electoral College, in which Congress then decided the outcome of the election. I think any system where after everything, you can't have a winner and it goes to Congress to decide... Is so, a broken system. With John I understand Adams, it's written that way. But, what happened? Oh, was it was it just a tie of? No, it was literally. There was a eighteen hundred was a tie. Yeah, it was a third party candidate stole off enough electoral votes that no one reached the threshold. Um, and I think. I think that was the one. I don't have it written down here. One of these two, the winner actually had less electoral votes than the loser. Like, the Congress picked the person in second to be president. Um, and then I think it was Rutherford B. Hayes, one of the states actually, the the governor sent one set of electorates and the state congress set another set of electorates supporting two different candidates. 
John Quincy Adams got uh, less electoral votes than yeah. Jackson. Okay. So But he had a higher delegate count. <sighs> that seems I like a broken know. system to me. All right. And then the other three times it did not technically break, but the electoral uh, college did not match the popular vote. So in 1888, Benjamin Harrison lost the popular vote by 90,000 votes. Uh, in 2000, Bush lost the popular vote by 500,000 votes. That went to the Supreme Court, which I think set a bad precedent. I want to be clear. Bush was going to win Florida if they did the rate count. It wasn't yeah. going to go to Gore, but I think no. the Supreme Court stepping in to decide an election was a bad thing. I think the fact that two judges on the Supreme Court were part of the Bush administration's argument time for that, and now our current president is potentially calling for the Supreme Court to decide this election if it's too close, that scares me. Uh, then in 2016, Trump lost the popular vote by 2.8 million votes, uh, which I think is just of note that it is such a huge swing from the last two, 90,000, 500,000 to 2.8 million. And he barely won in some swing states, but because of the winner take all, he got to take all those electoral votes. Right. To me, this is a broken system. It is one of the least democratic systems we have, and it is currently very broken. So I will argue your point that it is one of the least democratic systems we have. Really? First point of differentiation. Okay. Um, yes, but it is, I will give you this. From a standpoint of a true democracy, which is one person, one vote, it is a undemocratic system because the vote of the population is not matter. Now, from the viewpoint that we are not one united nation, we are a collection of individual states that have decided to operate jointly under a federal uh, rule of law, I would say it is a... It is it is a democratic system, and it is a more democratic system than the popular vote if you don't look at it from the standpoint of individual citizens, but from the standpoint of individual states. In that you are essentially giving – you are making sure that every single state gets their voice heard. And that is always – that is my beginning and final argument on – why at this point until you who have done so much research convince me otherwise uh and i'm interested in hearing about the rank choice thing um why i think the electoral college actually does work for how our country is developed and designed and set up in almost every other country in the world I don't think an electoral college works or makes sense. You have a country that's the size of Delaware. You go with a popular vote. Okay. You got a million people have them vote. But I, I think one of the things that Americans take for granted 
is the federal government. And it's easy for citizens who live in one of the big six states to not really think about the views and the voice of the three vote states is basically what I'm going to call them. Yeah, I get with what you're saying there. And I I have to be honest with you. I wanted to give us a little bit of conflict. So originally I went in, I'm going to support the popular vote because I know that's a popular opinion right now. And what I really initially believed was just some changes to the electoral college, mainly no more winner take all states, uh, things like that. And then as I did my research into the popular vote and ranked choice voting, I kind of fell for the argument that I was developing. And uh, I will tell you, I'm, I'm going to try to drill everything down because the next two pages is just <laughs> a lot of numbers and details that I took in. So I think I need to start with ranked choice voting because I don't think a straight popular vote would win. Uh, is not a good argument because with a straight popular vote, if you got four or five people on the ticket, someone could potentially take 25% of the vote and win the election because that's the majority out of the five people. Um, Right. The other part of it is that 10% or 51% of the U.S. population exists within 10% of the states. Yes, so California, Florida, New York, Texas, Virginia. There's six states that comprise 51%. Yeah, and you know what scares me is with the electoral college the way it is with the winner take all right now, five smaller states pretty much decide every election for the past five or six elections. That's right. scary to me. We're we're basically in the 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 complete antithesis of the 100% popular vote, whereas the popular vote is there are, you know, only five states because of their population that would determine, you know, which would be the only ones you need to campaign in because states have been our winner take all and have been so entrenched in their politics for so long. Well, so long, 20 years, because 2000 is where basically our current electoral map was solidified. Um, that yeah it comes down to four or five states that you know are shockingly moderate you know wow that's something you yeah, don't see Michigan, a lot. Pennsylvania, Florida Ohio yeah and if there's like one other one uh, they sometimes claim it's Arizona I think so but Arizona is going to go the way it's always gone. There are like two or three more that they always claim are swing that never swing. Minnesota has been claimed to be a wing, swing state, but it's not really. It's like it randomly swings. It's not a true swing state. Right. Uh, all right. So ranked choice voting. Uh, you got candidate Lay it a, on me. a, B, and C. When you get your uh, ballot, you have to put in a number for all the candidates. Okay, And what they'll do is they count all the p- votes for someone who got number one. 
if at the end of that someone hit 50% of the 51% of the vote great job we have our election it's done oh we didn't hit 51% we're going to take the person who got number 1 but got the lowest percent so let's say we got candidate C took hit, their number 1 took 20% of the vote that's the lowest amount we're going to go to everyone who voted for candidate C and now look at who their number 2 person is and count it and we're going to see if anyone has 51 percent and we're going to keep doing that till someone has 51 percent of the vote so it's pretty much the two vote but it's automatic runoff you don't have to have another election you just rank them you got okay you know uh jorgensen uh biden trump and I forget who the Green Party candidate is this election. Green, Green Party. Green face. Green Party candidate. You look at all of them and you rank them however you want your vote to go. And they just keep doing runoffs till you hit 51%. That is the concept of it. Okay, so everybody votes. All right. It's interesting. So everybody votes and. No one gets 50%. So you look at who came in last, and then you take anybody that voted for them. You take their number two. Their number two. And then you put it into everybody. And then, if you're still not at 50%, do you then take that last candidate's number threes and add them up? Or do you move on to the the second last person? And and go to their their number number two. I mean, from a practical, from a voting standpoint, I don't hate it. It makes sense. From a logistical execution standpoint, holy dear fuckery God. Yeah, I mean, counting it is. <laughs> you have more. it would have to be digital. The, There's the no two... way you're going to do it by person. The runoff is practically more easier because you take whoever got the top two percentage and you hold a second election and you say, hey, do you want A or do you want B? There you go. With the runoff, how would uh, how quickly would you want to do that second vote? I mean, you give the candidates time to regroup and I say campaign you give them. I mean, elections take a while to certify. You give one month for the vote count, and you do the re-election. It's not enough time to re-campaign. Um, how do you handle absentee and uh, mail-in ballots? I'm not advocating for the runoff one. I'm just saying the runoff <laughs> one's easier to do than the ranked choice one. <laughs> There's a lot of logistics in there that I didn't think through because that's not the type of popular vote I'm advocating for, Aaron. Well, come on. Can't you argue that one on the fly? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. If, uh, if uh, we end up switching the system to a runoff Jake is squarely against all absentee and mail-in voting. It all has to be done in person. Fuck you. <laughs> just kidding. That's not exactly. what he's saying. Read into it. He was just lazy and only did research on the topic he liked. <laughs> I only did one on the one I'm arguing. <laughs> so I started doing some more research, and 
one of the things I looked at is the average amount of people that vote. Um, Italy small. You know what? I, I, I just looked at presidential elections because off elections would drive it way down. But from 1980 to 2016, on average, 53.4% of registered voters vote. Now, registered voters is a percentage in and of itself that is lower than the Wait. total voters. Wait, hold on. So I've never actually paid attention to those statistics. I always assumed that if you're a registered voter, you vote. You're telling me that the average so far is that half of all people registered actually vote? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Do you have the percentage of people that are registered? Because I'd like to take a guess at what that percentage is uh, of the no. total population. No, but I have this thing called the voting age population, which is something, which is the percentage of America that is allowed to vote. So there's currently 331 million people in America. Out of that, 255 million are of voting age, which is 77% of the population. Now, there's another statistic that drives in how many of those people have been convicted of a crime and they can't be registered to vote or this or that that doesn't allow them to vote but just the vap voting age population is okay. uh 255.2 million okay how many registered voters are there let's see 60 million let's see i'm guessing it's small my guess is small uh the Census Bureau does not have this information. They don't want you to have the information, Jake. They're hiding it from you. Uh, yeah, everything says of registered voters. Around a third of registered voters in the U.S. identify as independents, while 33% identify as Democrats and 29% identify as Republicans. Uh, but how many registered voters are there? I don't know. I found it by state, but that's not fucking helpful. Just give, just add all up, add up all the states and average it. I don't care about how, how much of Hawaii's population is registered. By the way, um... Oh, wait, 49% of Hawaii's population is registered. Sorry, I I will make a correction there. I was wrong. That 53.4% is of the voting age population, not the registered voter. So I don't know how many of those people are registered, but of the 255.2 million, on average, 53.4% vote. Wait, how many people voted in the 2016 election? Oh, uh, I've got in 2016 uh, 136.7 million voted. 249.4 million were of voting age population, which totals out to 54.8% voted. Okay, so about half of the people that can vote do vote. Yes, about half. All right. So originally when I'm thinking popular vote, I'm like, man, 
like the cities would take this though. You get ten big cities, and that's the election. You only have to go to New York City, L.A., Chicago, Houston, a couple other cities from that, and that's the election. Then I did the statistic. The the big cities, the ten biggest cities in the United States, only make up 7.8% of the U.S. population. And I'm not going to lie, I thought it was going to be higher than that. I thought it was going to be way higher than that. So I then went and said, all right, how many of the cities would you need to take if you took 100% of the vote in every single one of those cities? Because remember, we're a popular vote now. You would have to say that every person that is of voting age that is voting in that city votes for one candidate. 269 of the largest cities in America you would have to take before you got 51% of the vote for one candidate. And that's assuming that everyone that votes in that city votes for one candidate, candidate A. Right. So I was like, okay, this isn't as off-balanced as I thought it was. It's like, what kind of smaller cities does this include? Uh, Well, 268 is Downey, California. Never heard of it. But some cities we have heard of. Fargo, North Dakota is in at 223. Rochester, Minnesota is at 237. The lesser of the Rochesters. Rochester, New York is at 111. We are Rochester, Minnesota. And Allentown, Pennsylvania is at 223. So there's some smaller cities in that statistic. And that does not include the city suburbs because Rochester's city population is like a hundred, like 175 thousand people or something but monroe county has seven hundred thousand people in it right. so that's just the cities and of course the suburbs tend to swing more republican so i'm like okay this this isn't as off balanced as i thought it was if we went to a popular vote and then it made me think of like last election when i didn't want to vote for hillary clinton so and i didn't want to vote for trump and i vote voted for johnson Partially because I knew my vote didn't matter anyways. I live in New York State. And then I was like, right. under a popular vote, my vote would actually matter. Third-party candidates could break it on a ballot and take a good portion of that election. And yes, the first few elections, they may not take it. But if we start seeing that the results of that first round, 20% is voting for the Libertarian Party or 30% is voting for the Libertarian Party... Even if they get knocked off the first round, we get the concept that, hey, there's some ideas here that the people like. Right. And I think a popular vote, especially in a ranked choice voting, the first election, it might suck. But by election two or three, the party's got to stop going to the extremes because they're going to start losing that vote to a candidate that's less extreme. Right. Because... Right now, you you have to swing to the extreme with the way the Electoral College works. Um, and so, and I, as I mentioned earlier, because we're down to like five states that decide it, we're kind of in the tyranny of the minority here because the way the Electoral College is also winner take all. Right. So that, that's the crux of my argument. Well, I think uh, I think it holds water. Um, 
it definitely gives a lot of power to third party candidates. Um, and I, I think you're right. That first election, you're not going to see, um, you're not going to see a lot of movement from what is traditional, but you would see, you would see third party candidates get a bigger showing than they normally do because right now they're just not counted. Yep. There's no real point. You know a third party candidate isn't going to get a single delegate out of New York or California or Texas. So, you know, why even bother? You know, in some states, you know, the major parties even go so far as to try and make sure third parties don't even get on the ballot because, you know, they don't want it eating into their lead because that's all they see it as. They don't see a third party as a viable option. They just see it as a stealer. Now, you go to you go to rank choice voting you keep you keep the protections of some of the protections of not just allowing the big states to dictate but you you give the third parties more of a voice and i think that's where i've gone with the give the electoral votes of a state Less, no, it shouldn't be a winner take all. It should be um, percentage cast, which theoretically you would hope to see some movement on third parties. Yeah, and I mean, it also does something to the presidency too, I think, if especially with the ranked choice voting. Because what I think we should not only know who won, but in what round they won. Right. Let's say, you know. We'll use 2016 as an example because Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. But let's say she didn't outright win the popular vote. And let's say we had President Hillary Clinton right now. But it was also known she didn't become president till the third round of voting. I think that says something that, yeah, the people decided her. But it took three rounds to get there versus, you know, a president who has, yeah, he was a first round pick or she was a second round pick I, I think that well that brings up that brings up an interesting point would that harm the not illusion of the democracy we have but would that harm the system in some way does that create animosity or basically an open door for the opposing for an opposing party to be like look she's not really the winner she took it in round three you know the majority of you didn't want her as president but aren't we getting that right now where we hear he's not really the winner 2.8 million more people voted against him than for him it's, it's true it's a different type because the people are still deciding in this case. It's just saying that, like, it's almost like a, a, a prime minister who... It, it's not a vote of no confidence, but it's a vote of... Eh, like, it gives... And what I think it really does is it gives those candidates more to draw themselves towards what the people are will want not go to those extremes because moderate candidates win. 
if you don't have to push to the extreme to get those extreme voters. I would I would agree. I would say though a third round candidate or a third round win in the in your ranked choice system would have the in my opinion everything's my opinion. Uh, <laughs> would <laughs> but I don't know why I had to put that qualifier in there. Um I feel like the third round win candidate would be seen in a daily basis the exact same way as the electoral win candidate that didn't win the popular vote. I feel like they would be treated the same and they'd be say the same. It's sort of like, yeah, you won, but you kind of won on a technicality. Do you think the runoff prevents that more because it is... You you do then have to vote for A or B after the first round? I think the runoff provides more legitimacy for um, a winner, for someone that doesn't win in the first round, because it forces people to make another choice. It forces them to take that active step, whereas I, I'm not fully against ranked choice voting, but I feel like it's passive. And whenever you have, I mean, let's be honest, the Electoral College is a passive system. The people who are doing, who are making the choices when they fill in that bubble are not the, you know, the actual vote is passive to their actions. Ranked choice is passive. So I feel like the runoff, even if you didn't go straight from first round to second round and done if you even had okay if no one got the majority in the first round we go to the next three highest or over this and then we go to a third round even i think a third round of a runoff election has carries more weight than a third round of the uh rank choice election i understand what you're saying there yeah and I mean, I think what my final thought is when I, after my research is some sort of popular vote where it's not just the person who takes the highest percentage in round one is more fair and will break the two party system in the long run because third parties can break through. The electoral college is a support tool of the two party system at this point. It is nearly impossible for a third party to break through at this point unless they spend years and years building a ground game taking senate seats taking house seats then running a president i think we would get more of what the actual population's opinion is and maybe a runoff is the better idea because it gives that person who's president more authority to say yeah i took 51 percent of the vote outright in round two Instead of having to say, well, I was some people's choice number three. And, you know, when we finally got down to it, (laughs) I got to the 51% that way. I definitely don't think a popular vote where just whoever has the highest percentage at the end of it is any better than the Electoral College today. Because, as I said, if you get five candidates on the ballot, it could split in a way where someone gets 25% of the vote but they got the highest percentage out of the five candidates. Right. So they're the winner. Yeah. My biggest problem with um, 
just the straight popular vote, aside from everything you just said about the you can have someone who wins who has nowhere close to any type of majority just because of the different people that could be on the ballot, but the popular vote, in my opinion, doesn't work for the United States because of pretty much our experiences within New York State. You know, in terms of, you know, because our governor, that's a popular vote. You know, our senators are popular votes, and you have 50% of the state lives within 10% landmass of the state. You know, the majority of the population of the state lives in the city. And my biggest problem with that is you have people who own less than a thousand square feet dictating how a farmer who owns a hundred acres should be using that land. That's that's my problem with the strict 100% popular vote. So New York State might be a broken state for that. Because, you know, when I originally went through on my research, I was like, I think I based a lot of my opinion on New York State. Because New York City is 42.8% of the population is there. So, yes, we do have this broken system where we have a pretty massive um, state that has a concentration of population in a small area. And we live in western New York. Uh, Cuomo forgets us all the time. Uh, Unless he's coming here to, you know, solicit money from our millionaires. Yeah, I mean, Cuomo's a corrupt Democrat. I will say that outright. He is not a good person. He shut down an investigation into corruption when it got too close to his own goddamn campaign. So, yeah, it, it's broken. You know, <laughs> getting but Schumer he and his... out of office is going to be difficult. And Schumer's not a great Democrat either. So, yeah, it's broken. But I think that's why I was surprised when I saw that the top 10 cities only made 7.8% of the U.S. population and that it took that 268 cities to reach that 51% cap and that is if everyone voted for the same candidate. I, I think New York gives us a distorted view of what the popular vote is Okay. on a national level. I could agree with that. I will also say that with a true popular vote, you'd probably see a lot more people voting in the um, uh, the three electoral vote states. Because I would have to feel that a small... I mean, I'd be curious to see what their voting percentage is, but I would hazard a guess that you know most of the Midwestern states have a small voter turnout because they don't play a huge role. Yeah, and I mean, I think it would do a lot. For, I, I think we would get that 53% up. I, I mean, I still don't think we'll ever hit 100% of voters unless we had mandatory voting by fine. But I think we could get upwards of 65 70% voting with a popular vote, at least in 
presidential election years. Off elections is a whole different opinion thing. People don't believe anything but the president matters, so they don't vote in their state elections. They don't vote in the off elections, which means that's a whole different thing to tackle. But Yeah, that's the real problem. Yeah, I mean... But it I all think starts at the state and local level. <laughs> it does. But that's but I think, not this podcast. We're talking yeah. about the Electoral College. And that's I also only for the Fed. Though we get those disheartened voters in some of the bigger states. Maybe Republicans in New York that don't go out to vote because they're like, well, I'm going to vote for Trump and I know my state's going to Hillary or my state's going to Biden. Or even independents that don't go out to vote because they're like... I'm going to vote for Jorgensen and I know my vote isn't going to count at all because Jorgensen's not taking electorate at all. Like I think you give the people more power in a either ranked choice or runoff popular vote election than the electoral college gives today. I could see that. So I could see that. Um, to make sure that there is still slight conflict between us to not just agree with you, even <laughs> though I'm getting dangerously close to doing that. Um, I will go back to my argument about we are not a nation of people. We are a nation of states. And the defense of the electoral college is that it allows states to hold the federal government to certain standards and hold them hostage for certain policies or actions so to not agree with you and also disagree (laughs) with you at the same time uh, I I think I've been pretty clear before that I am a state's right Democrat, though I want to live in a state that has certain um, beliefs. I understand that that is not a national belief in some cases, and we are a big nation of different views. So states differ in views. But when it comes to national politics, I feel like states' rights have been so trampled over the past 50 plus years that the electoral college is a legacy institution that does not work for national politics anymore. My go-to example is the fact that the federal government has found a way to force states to adopt a certain drinking age by passing certain laws. So why not at this point when it comes to the federal government give the people more power to maybe be able to change the dynamic of the two-party system and what the federal government has become. True. Power to the people over power of the state. I mean, in all honesty, if people focus more on their state elections and their local elections, you could... You could break the two-party system and flip, you know, the whole electoral electoral college system on its head, because the whole mandate of states giving a percentage of their electorates electorates to um, 
the candidate that got a matching percentage would have to come from a state level decision, not a federal level decision. Um, seeing as states decide how their electorates vote. But do they now, now that the Supreme Court says that they can't be faithless electorates? They can't be faithless electorates, meaning they, to have, the state. they have to follow their state's decisions. Yeah. So if I, their state is winner take all, they can't be like, no, fuck that. I'm going to, even if that state, you know, has a thing where, you know, well, you know, we're not forcing you to do it, but this is, I mean, if, if New York state changed its state constitution to say that we are now going to devote our electorates based off of you know a percentage vote i mean they i mean there's i mean new hampshire wait is it which which state is it that uh all their delegates don't nebraska it's like one of the midwest states and maine i want to say or one of those states i think you're right I don't know how those work. Maine. Maine and Nebraska. Maine since 1972, Nebraska since 1996. They split theirs up by districts? I mean, I see districts as a step in the right direction but at the same time a step backwards because my problem with districts is the same problem uh i have with congressional districts and that's gerrymandering and you can redraw the lines so that you keep people in power i mean we said we're from western new york there are two congressional congressmen for Western New York, their districts don't make any fucking sense. I don't there's, know what you're talking about. They make perfect sense. There's a Republican and there's a Democrat. And the Democrats district is pretty much this beautiful line drawn around Monroe County. And then it stops. And you have the next. You have the Republican congressman's district, which goes until it reaches erie county and then wait a minute that's the democrats district again but they're not connected so Hmm. there's one in texas i want to say that like there's literally a street that is part of someone's district to connect a and b (laughs) i'd be i i've never actually like really looked into the gerrymandering the the gerrymandering by us i'm wondering if they are connected by some convoluted way because i always thought that districts had to be contiguous and they yeah they do so it's probably connected by some convoluted way so on your point though you can't gerrymander a popular vote like true just saying New York 25th Congressional District. Nope, that Google Maps didn't help me. Oh, well, yeah, that's, it's hard to find those, but... Well, because they don't 
they don't want you here's here's the real thing they don't want you to know how the votes work okay they want to keep us in the dark I found it sorry I have to bring in something 2016 Donald Trump received 304 votes Hillary Clinton received 227 Colin Powell received 3 Bernie Sanders received 1 Kasich received 1 Ron Paul received one, and Faith Spotted Eagle received one. I would have voted for Faith Spotted Eagle. So the rest were, uh, you know, those uh, faithless electorates. <laughs> but yeah, like, to the same point, though, like, I had it written down that, you know, Trump took Michigan, but he only ended up winning Michigan by, like, 0.23% of the vote or something crazy stupid like that mm-hmm. like and then he took everything so right I, yeah 0.23 percent of the vote to take the entire state of michigan like at that point a county is swinging the vote you know right. through proper electioneering if you know one county is extremely moderate you could just target them to swing them and that's scary that we're getting that granular in the way the electoral college is today well i will say that when i lived in virginia um years ago it was back when virginia was still considered a swing state even though right now it's not the county i lived in was the swing county for virginia and i will tell you the two elections that i was there that you know i lived there for yeah it gets the level of focus on our county coming home and on the streets and in the neighborhood was just, and we had one of the longest, I mean, my last vote that I had there before moving to Rochester was not a presidential election vote. It was just state votes, you know, midterm election. And, uh, it took me two hours to get through voting. Well, that's a different problem. That's because of how many people were there. But, no, but that gets down to it. Like, we're talking about counties. You know, like, we are in the tyranny of the minority right now with the way the Electoral College is. I would agree with that. It is not democratic at this point. I understand what you're saying about being democratic from the state point, but it needs major overhauls to be better and unlike the senate which i think is broken but we can change i think it's time to scrap the electoral college and look for something different something that better represents the america of today than the america of 1776 and that's not even true because the constitution didn't come through in 1776 it came through later but i mean jefferson even realized that the reason there's ways to ratify and amend the constitution is because it wasn't going to always be the rule of the land that things change like we need to amend it fuck the originalist and the idea that it should never change because you have an originalist view of it well you're uh, i won't go there so yeah 
I still believe that the Electoral College shouldn't be thrown out completely, but I do believe that... I believe that there's a homogeneous way to get as close to a popular vote as possible without getting rid of the Electoral College. I think you can modify and amend the Electoral College and change how states cast their vote without completely getting rid... So, the main reason I hold on to the Electoral College is, one, you still keep a little bit of power with the states, the the states that don't really have a population. But, at the same time, the logistics and the chaos that'll get caused by blowing up the Electoral College... The ramifications of that could be monumentally catastrophic, whereas modifying and amending the Electoral College could yield close to, if not similar, results of a popular vote while still working within the framework of the system we currently have. What I think is I will – I at this point am for a popular vote, um, either a ranked choice or two-round popular vote. Um, Nixon was right with this to support it. Uh, but what I think it will come down to is if this were to happen, it needs to be an amendment on the Constitution. And we don't do it a year out from the election. It would almost need to be done by a two-term president who runs on the concept that they are going to modify it. So we know at the end of term, and it has to happen on their second term for two reasons. One, we know that they won't benefit from the change when they run for re-election. They'll be done and it starts with a fresh set of candidates. Two, it needs to be done in the first year of their second term to allow three years for us to work out the logistics for the next election. I would agree with that. Yeah, it it has to be a constitutional amendment, 100%. You're not going to get around it either way. The state workaround where you know a state is going to say that they'll send their electorates to vote based on how the popular vote goes that terrifies me um that you're blowing up one of your you know checks and balances right there and you're also telling your entire state from an executive level that the people in your state don't matter Especially if it's a small state, but I digress. Um, but yeah, if you change it, you ha- it has to have the weight of a full constitutional amendment, and you're absolutely right. Two-term president runs on it and literally starts it within the first hundred days of his second term. Yeah, but can't do it until their second term, because if they do it in the first term, it looks like it has some sort of advantage for them to running for a second term. Right. Or if it's done in the first term, it needs to be a president that like literally says, I'm not going to run for re-election. I came in 
to make this happen and improve democracy. Yes, I'm still going to focus on other things, but when this is done, the uh, this amendment will be done, and I'm also done as president. But I think it works better. Two-term president does it within their first 100 days of the second term, gets that amendment passed by the House and Senate, and then we have three years to adjust to this change. And or, we'll get the logistics. If it's not a second-term president, if it is a first-term president, it doesn't go into effect until not the, the next, next election, but the following election after that. Yeah. Which you might even need six to eight years to set it in motion. And yeah, say I the mean, next next election, you know, like three years might not be enough. I mean, the Democrats and the Republicans are going to fight at hardcore because it's going to, you know, literally rip at their established power structure that they have. Right. As as much as the Democrats hate the fact that they lost the popular vote both in 2000 and in 2016, or they won the popular vote but lost the Electoral College, the di- I don't see any diehard Democrats wanting to move to a popular vote because they know the Electoral College keeps the two-party system the yeah, electoral I mean, college as it is in power be i mean because you really you you have to touch on every state but as you said it's the you know it's the minority voice that's getting all the weight and you know they just have to focus on you know their few key battlegrounds and keep their you know their main states happy i mean i mean also... democrats have a bigger advantage than republicans in the electoral college because they start out every election with a 30% head start. Because of California and Because of California New and New York. 30% yeah. of what you need to get to 270. And I mean, if in the nearly impossible case that Texas actually swings blue this year, nearly impossible, yeah. <laughs> even though there, some people are calling for it, that would, that California, Texas, and New York head start just is like, it's a hurt, almost impossible hurdle to get over at that point like it's insane um but yeah i don't think the democrats like they support the popular vote but when you start thinking about the fact third parties could break in because you know we we know that state elections matter but a lot of people care about the president first and if you're seeing in that first round the libertarian party is getting booted after the first round but they're taking 30% of the vote, let's say, you know, you only got the Republican, the Democrat, and the Libertarian, and it goes uh, 35, 35, 30, someone's still going, wow, there's 30% of the other people that think like me. That means that third party can start breaking into the House. They can start breaking into the Senate. They can start breaking in at local elections. Hell, if they gives them some power. If they just took 15% of the vote. Yeah, I mean that would be huge. I mean, I I strongly believe right now, fifteen to twenty percent of the population um, is in favor of a third party candidate, whether it's green or libertarian or one of the other other little ones out there. Thirty three percent are registered independent, which means they do not identify with either of the parties. Yeah, and I feel like if if you had an election where the votes that mattered 
went 15% to one third-party candidate, I think that would change things. Now, I say that, and then we look at history, and we've had third-party candidates. We had our namesakes, the the Progressive Party, the Bull Moose Party, took a considerable portion of the vote in the Electoral College, split the vote, and caused the other side to win, and then just fizzled out. But now saying that out loud, that was not a... Any time a third-party candidate has broken in and split the election and caused the other side to win, it's actually been a bigger enforcement on the two-party system because it's because of the Electoral College. It's, you know, well, you just took votes away from our side and now the other side won, so this is why you just need to be on our side because that's that's a problem of the electoral college that's a problem of a true popular vote which is why if you do a popular vote you need it can only be if it reaches to 51 percent. yeah it cannot be a, a one round popular vote whoever takes the majority that does not work no. i am not calling for that and i mean it is true how many stein or Johnson voters have been told, well, you voted for Trump because you did not vote for Hillary. I mean, we both live in New York. I didn't vote for Hillary. It didn't matter if I voted for Hillary. Yes, maybe in that county in Michigan that uh, swing the election, the percentage that it needed for Trump, voting for a third party did matter. And you can kind of say, well, by not voting for Hillary... You gave Trump the election, but I still think that's a bad argument, and it's an argument of the two-party system. Right, because it's also not fair, because a third party, a vote for a third party is does matter and is important, and by saying things like, oh, you know, you, you just stole votes from, you know, my candidate, it's like, that's not how, you know, democracy works. We're not, you know, we're not a duopoly. Yeah, you know we're. I mean, if people thought their vote mattered, I think you would see a true third-party candidate getting at least fifteen percent of the vote. And I mean, the reason I harp on fifteen percent is because if a third-party candidate gets fifteen percent of the national vote, it almost guarantees them. Um, basically being front and center in the next presidential campaign didn't johnson break some sort of important funding threshold in the last election i feel like he took like nine percent of the vote or something and that was an important uh funding threshold i think so i didn't pay much attention back then but so I, I feel like there was something there I know from the de- so from the debate commission standpoint, which we can do, we could probably do a podcast on them because I think they're wholly corrupt and they're responsible for most of the bullshit that we're constantly in, and they are their sole purpose is to perpetuate the two party system because the rules they have in place prevent third parties from being on the stage, and I think if you showed more than just the two fucking parties on stage debating oh my gosh people might vote for more than just the two parties but i know one of the 
important thresholds is that if a third party gets more than a certain percentage, I think it's it's 15 or it's 20 percent in a national election, the debate commission has to let them on the stage, you know, let them have a voice in the following election if they still exist. Um, right now, it's all based on polling. And it's comical because the debate commission says, well, you have to poll over a certain number to be on the presidential debate stage. And then they only choose polls that uh, only ask whether you want the Republican or the Democrat candidate. So, Yeah, it was – I don't know if he broke the threshold, but Johnson took 7.9% of the vote – or sorry, 8.6% of the vote in 2016. So – the their goal was to reach that fifteen percent threshold, which they did not need. But yeah. with that, they would be invited to participate in the next debates. Um, yeah, because they reached this threshold. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot in place to support the establishment two party system. Right. And I mean, I think we've kind of gone back and forth and reached our wrap point in what we can talk about with the electoral college. I don't know <laughs> if we have any more to add. Do you, um, on the basis of the electoral college? No, not really. Yeah. So I think what I'm going to end on is first of all, I really enjoyed this drink. Uh, <laughs> I will probably drink this during the winter at some time. It, it's a, with the apple cider is a wintry drink and I put a cinnamon stick in mine too. Oh yeah. Um, fancy. I, I just had, had apple fancy. slices. Yeah, I've got the apple slices too, um, which I might eat when we're done with this. Uh, you know, whatever happens Tuesday, and I'm hoping to get this out on election day to our eight listeners. We're moving up in the world. If Biden wins, it's still the two-party system. If Trump wins, it's still the two-party system. I've stated it before. I think 10 years from now looks the same whether or not Biden or Trump wins. I am significantly personally more scared of what four more years of Trump looks like than four more year than four years of Biden, because I think it'll be the quote unquote normalcy of Obama. But don't get me wrong. He had his own flaws and was not this savior king that some people make him out to be. And in the long run, we need to break the two-party system. And I think part of the big reason after my research that I support the popular vote is it is a fast-paced way to break the two-party stranglehold that is on our government at this point. I would concur with that. So. That's all I got. All right. Well, this is one of our shorter podcasts. Do you want to talk about predictions of the electoral college for Uh, Tuesday? Yeah, (laughs) I guess we should go there. I mean, now that we've discussed the point, we can get into some modern politics. I mean, uh, but that means you have to get this out before Tuesday. Otherwise, we're going to look fucking stupid. 
No, I'll like, get it out oh, on Tuesday. So and so is only gonna get four, and then like it releases, and then we're like, "Holy shit! How did that happen? We could not have been more wrong." And everybody's gonna be like, "Look at these assholes thinking that. Uh, look how wrong they were." So you're so, gonna have to, you gotta get it out. I think there are silent, reluctant Biden supporters. They do not want Biden, but they do not want Trump more. And I think that's part of Biden's problem is that there are people that are voting for him, not because they like Biden, but because he is, excuse me, not Trump. There's a whole campaign that's settle for Biden. I mean, there's the Lincoln Project, which is pretty much don't vote for Trump, vote for Biden instead. With you, that you said, mean that we're trying to make money by scamming people? Oh, Coalition? Yeah, totally. They're, yeah. they're grifters of the Trump level. They, they've studied Trump's grift and gained on that. Uh, they steal other people's tweets to put out as their own. Um, with that said, I think Biden takes the popular vote. Everything I've seen makes me think Biden <laughs> takes the popular vote. And you can say that's because the Electoral College is broken and he's going to take California and New York. But also there's record voting numbers. I think Texas today broke their total 2016 votes uh, in early voting. It might have even been yesterday. Um, But I really think Biden either takes the Electoral College, he wins a couple key states... Or Trump barely skates by taking the Electoral College, like barely over the threshold. And I know that's not a true prediction, but I don't believe the polls anymore. And as much as I've read up on polling, I don't believe anything I've seen in the polls. So I think this is one of the most... Polls are worthless. Yeah, they are. And I think this is one of the most unpredictable elections. I think... I look back to 2016, and I think it was the day of Hillary Clinton had to cancel her fireworks show because she was so overconfident and realized she might lose. And I'm worried because there's a lot of us that think Trump's bad. Biden has that same level of overconfidence to what they think the turnout of 2016 is going to be and pollsters, or of 2020 is going to be, and I think pollsters, have that same level of overconfidence. So I either think Biden takes it in a landslide of both the popular vote and the Electoral College, or Biden takes the popular vote and Trump barely skates by with the Electoral College. Interesting, because my prediction is almost the opposite. I think if Biden wins, he'll win the popular vote and he'll win the Electoral College, but it'll be by... A, I don't want to say narrow margin because it's more like the average margin that we've seen in the past with an election. You know, it's like three to four percent, you know, large, you know, it's a large number of people. But percentage wise, it's not a, you know, it's not a landslide. Um, if Biden wins, I feel that's how he's going to do it. He's going to win the popular vote in Electoral College. I think if Trump wins again. Personally, I don't see how Trump wins without winning the popular vote. I'm not making a prediction on how I think people are going to vote or the fact that I think more people are voting for Trump than for Biden. My prediction is if Trump wins, he's going to win by winning the popular vote 
and the Electoral College, and it's going to be greater, not totally significant, not, you know, huge, but it's going to be more than what the traditional margin is, if that makes sense. That's my prediction, based on very little evidence. Yeah. Okay, I get that. Gut. So, do we want to go into... Nah, we we won't go into, like, will Trump actually concede if he loses? There's enough podcasts out there that are about, you know, what happens next. Because I think we don't know the election at the end of Tuesday. That That's my other prediction. We don't know how it turns out. The only way we'll know how it turns out is if one of the candidates concedes. Yeah. Or um, if it's sweeping, like landslide style that's the only other way we we know i don't think we even know that way because the media the mainstream media has been pushing the narrative that it could look like a landslide victory on tuesday and then it'll change a week later so i think even if a candidate has you know a 20 percent lead election night you know, the narrative's already been pushed that, you know, it'll take another week to get everything counted, you know, that wasn't a straight in-person vote, and that could change. Now, personally, I still think the percentage of people that vote on Election Day is going to be greater than those, you know, who voted by mail or absentee, because um, early voting will be counted in with the general election yes. counts. So yeah, they count I, as Election Day. Yeah. They've been, I mean, this narrative's been pushing that we may not know the results until, you know, a week or two after the election. I still think the percentage of people voting by mail and absentee ballot still isn't enough to, I mean, in a couple states, maybe, but I don't think it's enough to swing the election um, dramatically the way that they've been saying. How many it ends up being, and also... I don't know this. Do you know how states count mail-in ballots that are put in one of those drop boxes at a polling site? Are those still considered mail-in? Um, I don't know. I think it all depends on the state because every state has different rules. I mean, the other thing that um, a lot of people don't take into account is that there is a high percentage of mail-in ballots that get discounted because of signature mismatch signature mismatch or they fill in the wrong bubble um and then there can be little stupid errors i mean here in new york i miss the levers i know there were arguments against the levers i like the levers it's mechanical i know what's i know what's going on i hate what we have now i fill in a bubble on a piece of paper and it goes into a a scantron it's a kid but I mean, here's my thing. I voted uh, when I voted in the last election. I filled in the bubbles. The crappy pen they gave me leaked. When they put that into the Scantron machine, because the bubble was still slightly wet, it smeared it, and it said the ballot was invalid, and that I voted for uh, all six New York State (laughs) Supreme Court justices. (laughs) I didn't. The fucking thing smeared, but... And they're like, sir, you know you can only vote for two. Yeah, no shit. If you pull it out, you'll see two. I can't inspect it, sir. It's a private ballot. I know. Give me a new one. It was a whole thing, and I sat there for another 15 minutes while they figured out what the fuck to do because they were terrified. 
if that ballot had been sent in by mail, yes, theoretically, the ink would have dried. However, there are other things that could have smeared in the envelope while it's getting shipped. The postman could have dropped it, sat on it, taken a shit on it, found it under his desk, then put it in, and it would have been invalidated. I never would have known because there was a smudge over one of the things. And that's another thing that people don't realize. If your ballot has 14 things on it that you need to vote for and you one of them is wrong, it invalidates the whole thing. Yeah, and ballots, at least in New York State, have gotten a lot more confusing because the way they're written out on the line, and then it's like, vote for any four, but it's not clear, you know, the boxes aren't clear right. who you're... For this who, way, not that yeah, way. Yeah. You voted and for the same one three times. Guess what? Lever machines can't be hacked. A Scantron no. machine can be hacked. I also do not trust computer machines that just have, like, no, the programming oh, yeah. on it is terrible. There was a video, I, I want to say a couple years back, where someone was pressing candidate B, and it was registering them pressing candidate A, because it was a touchscreen. Yeah. So, at least New York's better than that, but not significantly better. Um, no, I will I say think. from... Yeah. Yeah, from a from a voting standpoint i i will say the the filling in the bubble is better than the digital systems but i still do miss my little levers yeah i think there was an advantage to those little levers there was it worked for a lot of years no i i don't know man like i don't know what to believe anymore i want to talk about one more electoral uh college okay um, thing that has to do with the current election okay and that is the uh the chaos outcome oh yeah what i am you... secretly secretly hoping for what you're bidding for so for those of you that don't know um if the electoral college comes out in a dead heat which is 100 percent possible and it's, it's happened one of 99 situations right now uh in the 538 map is one is a dead heat it it happened in 1800 uh it's it's happened mul a couple times yeah um in that scenario and then this is my favorite part um if the election on tuesday ends in a dead heat the house gets to decide who the president is based off of the two presidential candidates that got the most electoral votes. The Senate then decides who the vice president is based on the two candidates that got the most electoral votes, which means it is 100% within the realm of possibility that the election will lead to the presidency of Joe Biden with his vice president, Mike Pence. And I don't know if that is more akin to a John Adams, Thomas Jefferson presidency or a Jefferson Burr presidency, but uh, um, or or a Quincy Calhoun. But um, I, I, you know, 2020 has been the year of chaos, and I think that would just that would just put the cherry on top. That would be perfect. Um, 
and then I could go down a thousand rabbit holes of what would actually transpire there. Oh, I mean, I already have my rabbit hole, and it all depends on how the Senate turns out. If the Democrats take the Senate and keep the House, in that situation, they impeach Pence, pass the impeachment vote, Biden nominate or selects Harris, and he still gets what he wants. It just takes a little bit longer. But it's also 2020. The car-shaped meteor that's supposed to zoom by Earth tomorrow could maybe be like, I don't know, the size of Manhattan and the whole world could explode because it's 2020. It's Christmas already, if you don't know. It's November (laughs) and stores have had Christmas stuff out. Two weeks ago, I went to Lowe's and the Halloween stuff was already on discount on a small table and it was all Christmas stuff. So welcome to 2020, everyone. (laughs) I say... Personally, I believe the House and the Senate aren't going to change. I think they're going to stay exactly the way they are. Some people might change, but I think the overall votes are going to be almost identical. Kind of like uh, there's an episode of West Wing where the House stays the same. They're like, but we lost these four people. But yeah, they lost those four people. And uh, the you're so at the end of it, they're like, so you're telling me nothing changed. Yeah, nothing changed. So I think the House and the Senate are going to stay exactly where they are. And uh, you're going to have a Biden-Pence presidency, and it's just going to be, like, I don't even know how you handle, you know, the staff within the West Wing. You know, it's, I mean. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, mean, well, uh, look, if you want true unity, I mean, that's really the way to do it. I mean, Biden has said he's looking at putting Republicans on his uh cabinet so i will say the difference between republicans and rhinos but (laughs) yeah (laughs) i will say this look uh i've shit on schumer and uh, cuomo already on this podcast so i would be reluctant to say i would love to see darth sidious himself mitch mcconnell lose his power seat uh i i want him to stay in the senate and be the minority leader so he just has to sit by and watch as schumer won't do anything that chuck, uh that mcconnell does because chuck doesn't have the balls to do it but to not be in power and have to watch all his insidious little plans slowly start to fall apart would be just just a cherry on top of the ice cream for me <laughs> i st- i still want the chaos results I don't know. Oh, I got I <laughs> yeah. The chaos results is just It's very 2020. Why not? It's 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. That we get here's here's what's going to happen. We're going to get that result. The meteor that went by is going to get hit by another one and it's going to turn around and redirect right back to earth. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Elon Musk is going to find a way to get SpaceX out to that meteorite that's all nickel so that he can become a 100 quad thousand quadrillionaire or whatever they've claimed that meteor is worth. So. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. It is. And by the way, uh, Mr. Musk, our uh, proposal still exists. Um, you know, there are conspiracies that there are secret uh, submarine tunnels in Lake Ontario, but we promise there are none near Rochester and you can build your channel 
type tunnel from Rochester to Toronto. It'll be great. It'll be better than the fast ferry. We have the manpower and uh, the space for you to build Teslas and batteries. And uh, we really, really would appreciate uh, you considering our humble city, which is a thousand times better than the shitholes of Buffalo and Syracuse. Thank we you. promise every single one of us will actively get musk chips and hear your daily musk thoughts we are your loyal servants elon <laughs> musk please and thank you please and thank you uh aaron this has been fun and kind of cathartic because tuesday just at this point seems so scary it can't come soon enough so we can just get back on with our regular lives yeah well it's been nice talking to you it's been fun as always all right. Until next time.